when the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. What's it going to be today? Skyline three-way or cheese conies? Hmm, that's a tough one. I know. Give me a Skyline three-way and cheese conies. Problem solved. Feeling good. It's Skyline time. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down field, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Allen deep downfield, wide open. Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast, a somber edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Misery, as always, here with Mike Bunt. Um, Mike, you know, not too much to say off the bat here. Um, you know, all we can do is kind of reflect on our thoughts and our opinions of not only this game, the season, the 27 to 10 loss, uh, the worst offensive performance in years, um, and a couple of other hot topics we're going to go through today. Future plans, what are they going to do at the coordinator positions? What is the team going to do across the offense and defensive lines? So a couple hot button topics that I'm sure we'll get into. Mike, how you feeling? I'm actually surprisingly doing pretty okay right now. Uh, the, the loss obviously sucks, but how they lost makes it easier to move on compared to uh, the way they ended last season. So obviously not happy, but could be a lot worse. I got to ask you, what would make it worse? I guess that would be my first question. Uh, maybe uh, losing on a Hail Mary and okay. feeling like we just blew uh, a chance at winning a Super Bowl. I mean, like it, it obviously sucks, but – you got Josh Allen. He's young. You still have another decade plus of winning football games. There's going to be opportunities. It sucks when you uh, you have a year that uh, doesn't end up with a Super Bowl. But we always talk about the odds, Kevin. Even the best team only has a 20-25% chance before the season begins. Knowing that makes it hard, easier to compartmentalize these results. It's not It's not a good thing, but what else can you do besides move on? That's fair enough, Mike. Um, I think what's going to be the first thing we know we were going to touch on here is, you know, what can we say about the game? The bills mightily, you know, didn't, you know, we're 48 hours out now from, from really from ending. Um, The bills didn't play even a remote style of football that we've seen this year. The defense 
just was playing their same cover three. Uh, they played man at, at, for seven snaps, played pretty well on it, or seven pass attempts, excuse me, played pretty well against in man. It's disappointing they didn't go to more man in this game. Um, also, they just struggled to stop the running game. Daquan Jones inactive. I don't know that many of us saw that coming. Uh, I really thought Phillips and Daquan Jones would be good to go. It was a little bit of a tell when they called up Kingsley Jonathan um, and Eli Anku, but I thought that was just, you know, just an in-case thing. It was a big disappointment to see him. So when I saw him inactive and then I saw the snow falling, I immediately thought that that could be trouble. Um, I, it's almost like the Bills didn't predict to play this game in the snow. I don't know that for sure, but the way that their game plan was called, running out of shotgun, certain other situations where the offense wasn't dictating like they can do. Offense dictates in the snow period. I've heard I've talked to offensive linemen who tell me that. The Bengals did fine at it. I don't know that we can sit here and say for one second that we – we're going to win this game 20 to 17. I think that 27, they didn't play great. Would have liked to stop more too. I do think and then some of that's due to the fact that the offense was punting the entire first half. I would have liked, you know, I think anyone would have agreed that the bills were looking at a 34, 27 game, 31, 27, a lot of predictions, 34, 31, a lot of predictions were in there. The defense could have played a little bit better, but we can't go back and say one of the best offenses in the league and then also counterintuitively rip them for doing about a little bit worse than I thought. And, you know, we all, we're all pointing to the images of backing off on a, on a, on a, on a third and short, or excuse me, on a third and two, uh, where they converted with the defensive um, corners, 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's what Miami ran all game against the bills. What happens there is sometimes you drop back into those zones, make Burrow throw into one of them, tip the ball. It's not quite as ugly as it always looked but they just look underprepared. They didn't look great. Um, just quite frankly, the team didn't look like they were ready for some snow, Mike. And that's always, that, that's what I'll say across the board is that the, the snow and I'm going to, and I'm going to pound on that. They called the games with four verts at times. It just did not look to me like they were in tune with the elements and the Bengals were. I mean, that's a fair point. I think it was just a game where one team was better than the other. I, I know people are trying to put blame on, on the coaching staff. They're trying to put blame on certain players and the, the offensive line. I, I just saw one team that was just simply much better than the other team. Bills were tremendous all season long, but there's a reason I picked Cincinnati. And the Bengals scared me. A lot about this matchup scared me. And I wanted to believe the metrics. I wanted to uh, believe that home field being in Buffalo was going to make a difference. But the Bengals, they're better. There's a reason why the Bengals have won three in a row against the Chiefs. There's a reason why since he went to the Super Bowl last year. And to have Burrow on a rookie contract with three elite wide receivers and them not even miss, them missing three starting linemen and not having it make a difference. Um I knew the Bills' defense was going to struggle. I didn't expect the Bills' offense to have that showing. That that was horrendous by the Bills' offense. And a lot of people are going to say, well, this is just proof that you, uh, that you need to upgrade everyone on the offensive line. Yes, the offensive line does need to get better. And uh, I thought it was a disappointment for the, the later parts of the year. But Josh has been under pressure for most of the season. Josh did not have a good game on Sunday. And – a lot of times we don't want to give him crap 
because he is truly a special quarterback, the best, maybe the best quarterback this team has ever had outside of Jim Kelly. You can debate that who, who's the better of the two of them. I feel like deep down, Josh has some weaknesses that hurt them uh, against teams like Cincinnati. And whether we we want to accept that or not, I, I, I think a lot of this falls on him and a lot of it falls on the lack of upgrading the skill positions during the offseason. What did we say last year before the draft, Kevin? We said they should address a wide receiver early in the draft, first or second round. A lot of people thought we were crazy. What, what did we say? You never can have enough weapons. There's injuries. And then when, and we've stayed consistent when OBJ was a discussion in September, we long before we knew that he wouldn't be able to return during the season. We were on board when people were telling us the bills don't need any more guys. They already have Gabe Davis. They already have Stefan Diggs. They got Dawson Knox. No, you need three truly three very good pass catchers in modern day offenses, especially the offense the bills want to run. And the fact is what the Bills were trying to establish, I know they were taking some deep shots. They can't do the – they don't have a timing offense. They don't have a quick passing offense. Everything is snap the ball, let Josh improvise, and have him try to go th- go deep. He refuses to, to look at a lot of the options that are intermediate routes. And Cincinnati just – they tricked him the entire game. And you, you give credit to, to the Bengals, but I don't think there's anybody really on the Bills coaching staff, players, whoever you want to mention that that's without blame in this loss. They were just totally, they were school. Yeah. A couple of names just to kind of cap that off. We had a, an addition early on, go check it out called more weapons, um, you know, the more weapons for Josh Allen Pickens was an option there. Christian Watson. There was a couple of names that more would have you liked to have on this team uh, all season as receivers too. I think it's an immediate need. It's a really expensive position in free agency. So the draft has so many benefits. Look, the reason that you can continue to flourish and develop Gabe Davis is because he's on a million dollar salary. You don't need to do anything with him. Um, you can continue to have him in this offense and it's not in that negative as much as we're going to complain. And he dropped another pass on a, on a fourth and short um, that, excuse me, a third and short that he could have caught. And then we went and punted. Um, so that was an interesting one, though, from my Vincent's point. I didn't watch it on TV. You're talking about the one where he had to slow down and um, it looked – I don't know if it was deflect or not, but I, I'm up on the 300s. Josh was late to see it. Gabe Davis had five steps on the corner. And, yes, the ball was where it needed to be. Yeah, he cooked Cam Taylor. I, I'm not going to – I'm not a QB guru. So, I, I'm I'm just saying from my perspective in the stadium, mm-hmm. that sh- – if if he recognizes that sooner, I don't know where it was in the progressions and everything that could have easily been a touchdown. I, and it's a great play by the corner to get back into the play and get in the face. But there's a reason why Gabe Davis had to slow down to nearly a standstill on that ball. And I know it's a 40 yard throw down field. So I'm not saying it's an easy throw, but Gabe Davis had five steps on the corner. Right. If you lead him a little bit more, he's, he's walking into the end zone. And I'm not saying it's a bad throw, but I just think deep down this this offense really just required Josh to play hero ball for way too many points of the season. And 
we'll never know how much of these deep throws in recent weeks were on Josh or if they were on Dorsey um, or if it was just a lack of belief in other players on this team because Kevin, it, it's just frustrating. I, I, this team has gone through so much this year. There's so much adversity they've dealt with on and off the field um, injuries, uh, yep. just so many things. And I think it just, it came to a, a point where they just couldn't battle through it all against a team that was just as good as them on paper. And in person, they looked a little bit more talented than Buffalo uh, overall. And what I would say, and I, I know Burrow has tremendous weapons with Chase Higgins Boyd, but I would ask you, do you believe that Josh could, could do to what, I don't know, the, the way you, when I see Burrow play quarterback, he has an answer for anything a defense presents. I, I think of Burrow like Peyton Manning. He's smarter than what he's facing. So no matter what you're going to throw at him, he knows what he's going to do before he snaps the ball. If number one is taken, he has number two, number three already planned. And he's okay with taking the five, six yards. He's okay with going deep if he sees the man coverage. When I see that, a guy like Burrow with the talent he has around him, it's almost impossible to stop that when they're clicking outside of getting a pass rush. Well, Mike, I'll say this. If you would have told me that Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, on say on our show last week, I don't know, they had nine catches for um, 112 yards and just one touchdown from the three of them, I would have been feeling pretty good if you gave me that stat line from the three of them. Late in the game, though, are they, they're not trying to pile it on. The game was out of reach. The Bills go on a seven-and-a-half-minute drive to start the third quarter, so there's not as many possessions in the second half when the game gets to be two-plus scores. It's just – and then the Bills also with chances to double dip at the end of the first half. Uh, they don't score. Uh, that was a disappointing result. And then to settle for three to start the second half. It was just – it was an all-around butt-kicking. And I it, – it's just tough because if you would have told me that the Bills lost, I could live with like 30 to 27 or like 34 to 24. I can't live with 27 to 10. And now everybody is going to want these hot takes and they're going to want – to say things like fire Dorsey or get rid of Leslie Frazier and the bills might make a change. But the, the problem with these hot takes is those are the coordinators that got you a top five metric offense, top five metric defense, a 13 and three regular season in spite of losing Micah Hyde, in spite of losing Von Miller, in spite of not having uh, many weapons at wide receiver in spite of having a crap offensive line. So if you're telling me you're missing all these guys and that you're playing with lesser talent and yet you still have top five metrics in offense and defense, how am I supposed to believe that the offense and defensive coordinators suck? They don't. Kev, we were talking about this before the game at the tailgate. I think the issue, and I'll, I'll go defense and I'll go offense. I think the issue with the Bills' defense is the way they play is good enough to stop 85% of teams in the NFL. They make teams go on long drives. They they basically say, run the ball on us. Good luck over the course of 60 minutes going on 
seven, eight, nine, ten plays, sustained drives, and getting touchdowns. And if you don't, well, our offense is going to put up 30 and we're going to beat you. But when you're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs or the Philadelphia Eagles, those are the few teams they won't make, they don't make that mistake. They do execute. They can find a way to constantly light you up. So it's one of those things where, like, the Bills' defense, the way it is, that's a big reason why they win 12, 13 games a year. But it gets exposed against the better teams and the, the truly elite teams in the NFL. And the, the thing that's tough about it is you're going to have fans that are going to be saying, we got to move on from Leslie Frazier. We need to have a different identity. Well, how do you, how do you get that different identity? And will you accept if the Bills' defense next year falls to 18th overall or 20th overall? Or what are you going to do then? Because when you are a top-five defense, there's a better chance of you dropping next year under a new defensive coordinator than improving. So are you – the one thing about the Bills' defense is it's pretty consistent for the most part. You know what you're going to get most of the time on a week to, weekly basis, which is what leads – consistency and knowing what to expect is what leads to wins. So are you okay with winning two less regular season games, but knowing when you're in the playoffs you have a chance for a dominant performance against a KC – or a Cincinnati, but you don't. You just and the players aren't going to change. We're going to lose Jordan Poyer. The defensive line is what it is. You might lose Tremaine Edmonds. So they've been building this defense for five years to have this identity. A new D coordinator isn't just going to come in and change what they're doing. And if they do, they might not even have the players to fit what the new defensive coordinator might want to scheme up. So it's a fun idea in theory. But what are we talking about? And even if they do make a change, say Leslie Frazier does move on, how do we know McDermott's really going to change things up? He might just bring in another person that does similar things to what he wants to do anyway. Right. And, and Robert, have- Robert, we really appreciate the super chat. Um, yes, Josh is not blameless in this. I mean, I th- almost across, I can't think of anyone who isn't blamed. Like I think across the board, um, you had you had faults pretty much everywhere across this team. But his first read, if his first read is his lineman who got beat and and was inside or outside, that makes it harder to stick with the script. You're not wrong. Um, certainly not when Mike Hilton gets there four out of five times because Spencer Brown can't kick out and get him. Four How does that happen? Times. How does that happen? Four like, out of five what, times. That's what I'm that's what I'm getting at, though. Like, yes, that's on coaching, but that's also on the players. How do you not? realize what you're doing, what they're doing, how they're attacking you. I don't think would. So Josh is special because even when he's pressured, he has the ability to make magic happen. Mm-hmm. But how do, how do the coaches not find a way to adjustment just to, to finally get somebody in front of them? And how does the line not make adjustments to make those plays? And it's just, I don't, what I want to know, and I'll never truly have the answer, is. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. 
It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com, code SUMMER. Why did the offense have their worst game of the season against Cincinnati? Was it... Was it scheme? Was it play calls? Was it execution? Was it the offensive line that had the worst day of the year? Was it receivers not getting open? Because my sense is that every facet of the offense was horrible. I don't think receivers were really getting open. I don't think the offensive line was blocking. We weren't going to the run game, so you didn't have anything to rely on to get you back on track through the bad moments. And I think Josh didn't have his best day. He was off the mark on multiple throws. And I don't think he processed certain things well. And that's not to say he's not great. Like Josh is unbelievable. We and this Bills team is incredibly talented, but I, I think it was just a, a complete letdown by the entire offense. And it is what it is. And what can they really do to change it going forward? Well, I think Two obvious spots that you will try to that the Bills are probably likely to target during the offseason. Probably need to get a, some new offensive guards in here eventually. You're not you can't go with Stafford and Bates next year. Uh, you can keep Bates, but you you can't keep both of them. Spencer yeah. Brown has been a tremendous disappointment at right tackle. Maybe you, you you look at tackle again, and you definitely need to get another wideout uh, in Buffalo and either a quality free agent, which there really isn't many, or you, you go early in the draft. And I really think the draft is the route that they might need to go in the first or second round because Cincinnati is able, they they had three backup linemen, but why were they able to get away with it? Because Burrow gets the ball out quickly. The pass rush never got close to him. If, If you can get the ball out quickly, have a short passing attack, quick passing attack, timing, you can get by with having a weaker offensive line. The Bills have no ability to do that. They had no ability this year to establish any quick passing. And when you have guys like Naheem Hines, when you have uh, James Cook, who you drafted as a pass-catching back, when you bring back Cole Beasley, and how, how was none of this ever established? And that's my biggest question. And how much of a loss did uh, not having Jamison Crowder this year make on what this offense could have been because they just they were stale in all right um as far sorry as far as Bates goes he is not a free agent he has three years 15 million dollars um so he is very much signed long term to the Bills roster so he will be back they can't move on they can't continue to make holes I know we want to cut everybody um but they cannot continue to make holes across the O-line and D-line um so Bates will be back by all accounts Morris will be back at the center position outside of a potential retirement for the for six concussions if they goes that route Dawkins will be back um but I do believe there's two offensive line spots Brown should come back as a swing tackle develop um really watch the game uh, maybe get off that you know Brandon Bean today mentioned his covid um situation so maybe those two two there's going to be two offensive line starters replaced maybe sign Saffold to be a vet backup like in the in the Greg Van Roten mold 
because uh, he said he wants to be back. So maybe he can come back, but uh, in a rotational backup role and Spencer Brown in a rotational backup role as well, putting two starter positions, you know, up for grabs, left guard, right tackle. Um, so I think that those are the two positions they need to address right away uh, as we look forward to the offensive line. As it comes to the coordinators, I want to touch on that quickly. I think there's a chance they move on from Frazier, but the most likely candidate is John Butler, pass game coordinator, defensive backs coach, to replace him. Maybe he's a little more aggressive. Maybe he sees things differently than some of them, but is it ultimately going to be any different? I doubt it. I doubt he's going to go get Vic Fangio or a big not, a big name defensive coach. Maybe that's told him he's got to do that. Being even ownership say, hey, can we switch something up? It's possible. I wouldn't see it. But, um, you know, the most likely candidate replacement for Frazier is Butler. And maybe that's enough of a tweak to to continue to keep your DVOA where it's at. But one interesting talking point, speaking of DVOA, would you trade in your top DVOA that you've had now for a couple of years? And would you trade that to be 15th to 20th in DVOA to continue to put whatever assets left into offense? That's the that's the question I want to talk about. Oh, yes, today. yes, 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 yes. That that uh, you 100 percent do. But fans aren't going to look at it like that. They, that's what the Chiefs do every year. That's what I'm saying. The Chiefs never have a very good defense. 20th DVOA. The Bengals defense, really metric-wise, was around 12th. So you absolutely do it. I, I think at this point, you need to make sure that one of your units is elite uh, at every time they play. And that had been the case for the most part with the offense this year. But, Kev, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I just don't think there's going to be the changes that fans are going to be clamoring for a lot of these head coaches a lot of these general managers they're conservative by by nature I think Brandon Bean actually makes a lot of aggressive moves but I can't see McDermott wanting to drastically change things up from a team that went 13 and 3 and if they do bring Butler how much does that really change the defense from a scheme perspective probably not much I I don't think the Bills are going to to mix up with things. I, I think deep down what they're going to go into this next this offseason is basically say, let's add a few more pieces, switch out a few things, and let's hope that our scheme and our, our system gets us 12 to 14 wins next year, like this year. And hopefully next time we're in the playoffs, we get a different result. Yeah. Um, to Jesse Bates, sorry, Jesse, if you mean Jesse Bates, he is a free agent. Um, the team already doesn't have enough money to allocate it to Jordan Poyer. They're certainly not going to allocate $12 million per for five years to Jesse Bates. It's not going to happen just to the, to the offensive point of where would you want to allocate any of these assets to? We need to continue to develop this offense with the two offensive line spots that I said are open. So that's maybe why you would re-sign a Saffold and Ike Butker, because those are two cheap backup vet options who've been in this system who can fill in on injury that you can that you you would still need on game day as backups. That's why you would bring both both of those. They're fine. It's Greg Van Roten. Like you're talking about that kind of style replacement um, from Saffold, who's been in the offense as a starter, and and Butker at times as a starter. They would come back and be those re- the reserve linemen. That's what you can expect to have behind your starters. If you can replace two key starters, um, and then obviously your other you know, other backup might be Spencer Brown. If you can replace two key starters, that's huge. That's exactly what the bills need to overhaul this unit. We can't go out and spend for five starters. Like, I just don't know what to say. It's not going to happen. Um, that's it's, it's never going to be a thing that they can do this off season with their cap situation. So the issue is 
a hot topic name is someone like Ed Oliver, who Brandon Bean mentioned today, is there is meat left on the bone. Um, do you go ahead and trade him for some conceivably second and a fifth or some level of, of compensation there to add that, those picks and that salary to offense? Those are the kind of moves you have to think about with Daquan Jones still coming back, you know, Bob Miller coming back, Greg Rousseau coming back, Boogie Bash, and probably Shaq Lawson on a team deal. At some point, like, does does someone like this as a reference, does Ed Oliver do enough for the defense and the DVOA metrics and everything else to take that money and potential picks that you can trade him for away from the offense? That's a, that's a topic. It all depends on what you it all depends on what you can get back. The, the issue is we value these players more than what other teams most likely would value them. You never know until you reach out. But what would you take for Ed Oliver and what would somebody offer for him? I mean, we, we can. I. Like RJ says, hope is not a plan, but what really can Brandon Bean do this offseason to make the team better than what they are right now? Like, seriously, like we, we can talk like, oh, the, the Bills are going to put together some great plan. They need to get better. I don't think the Bills go into next year better than what they are right now. They I they don't. They're, they're going to lose Poyer. Yep. They are going to have to if they want to keep Tremaine Edmonds, give him 17, 18 million plus a year to keep him, which is just going to freak out everybody in the fan base because there's going to be one side that says if he leaves, people are going to get mad that he's walking. But if he doesn't leave, there's going to be people that are freaking out that he's getting 17 million a year when our defense couldn't even stop the Bengals in the playoffs. Regardless of what happens this offseason, they are not going to be better than what they were entering this season. They don't have the money. We're now entering the time of Josh Allen's contract where he's going to be getting paid 40 plus million a year. We are not going to have the ability to just throw money at people. Brandon Mean basically said that at the press conference today. He said, we're not going to be able to do a splash signing like we did last year with Von Miller. This is where now they have to, they need to draft well in with their late round, with their late picks. And they're going to have to develop guys. And there's going to have to be players that step up that you don't necessarily expect. And when they do make a free agent signing or under the radar guy, if they go after a Paris Campbell or something like that, they're going to need guys that are not the biggest names to step up and have bigger roles. Or you're going to just have to hope that they that the players that they have right now make a bigger impact next year when they're put in the same position. You're going to have to hope that next year Von Miller is healthy and makes an impact in the stretch run and can make an impact in the playoffs. Things are not going to be drastically different, Kev. And we'll have all offseason. Well, but you can. So I will say Bean's historically traditional for saying, well, we weren't planning on Von Miller. He called us and we moved things around. He's used that line. They don't have the money now. They make money. They can make money. I know you say make money, but. Kev, when we look at it, if you're losing Jordan Poyer yeah. and then you lose Tremaine Edmonds, it doesn't matter okay. who you're bringing in. 90% of outsiders is going to say that's a net – you're getting worse. A, a net uh, – I, I don't even go, – you're going backwards is the main point. So – and then if you sign Tremaine Edmonds, you're going to be allocating close to $20 million a year for a person that – while very good, is he truly one of the best linebackers in the NFL? 
He's close. So that, that, that's what I'm saying, Kev. I don't know how it's going to get better. The way it gets better is you hit on your first and second round pick. They instantly become plug-in starters and play at an above average level. And we know that's not uh, something that you can just expect. Even if you draft a wide receiver in the first round, you can't just expect they're going to come in and be Justin Jefferson. More likely you're going to get a guy that might have 40, 45 catches and is slightly better than what you have with your current guys. I just, I don't think there's a lot of big time moves to be had right now. And people are going to get pissed. Yeah. This, I mean, this, this coaching staff believes in their scheme. They believe in the way they do things. They, they, they will put players into the positions and expect them to step up and perform like the guys that they're replacing. That's ultimately what it comes down to. I mean, fair enough. That can only get you so far though. Um, And I think that B knows like that there's, there's moves to be made. Josh Allen, 27.5 base salary that can convert to a roster bonus to free up close to $24 million roughly. It's a move that they're going to need to make. They're not going to cut Josh Allen. Um, so that's why you're able to do that. All that requires is Terry Bagula to sign a check for $27.5 million at the start of the season, rather than payments per week throughout the year as his base salary would be paid like anybody's base salary. The difference is that's paid up front. That clears up, um, a big chunk of money right then and there is just, it's just a necessary move regardless if you want to do, you know, just operate in general. So that's just going to be a move in general. I think the first move at $10.75 million is trading at Oliver. You need to do it. It needs to be a number that comes off the books to your point. Are you signing him? So, so to your rant, are you signing at Oliver anyways? Are you well, signing him anyways? Well, that's, that's a bold move. If Bean was to do it, trading a are you, former, are you signing him though? I haven't thought that far ahead yet. Just being, okay. just being real. I will say this. I think fans are a little emotionally in a bleak, dangerous mindset right now because of, the way they lost. I, I would like to remind people when you go 13 and three, in spite of the injuries, in spite of what everybody was playing through, that's probably going to, there's probably still going to be really good next year. I'd still bet the farm with their current guys that they'd be a 12, 13 win team next year. So I'm not in, I'm not in panic mode. I, I guess what I'm saying is I think a lot of people that see that result and now they want to blow things up and make changes for the sake of making changes. I think that's not normally the rational way to move forward. That's normally the the emotional way to move forward. When you're when you're responding in an emotional fa- fashion, you normally make bad decisions. I I think give it a couple of weeks, give it a month, and then when we start thinking back on the season, we'll we'll look at things a little bit differently. What was the big problems with? If we just start on the defensive side, what were the big problems with this team down the stretch? They couldn't get a pass rush. They couldn't get to the quarterback. And then the secondary was basically torn to shreds. No Micah Hyde. Jordan Poyer was playing hurt. Trey wasn't the same Trey. So how do you fix that? Well, you can't invest more in the defensive line than you already have. So you basically have to hope that the fix to getting pass rush next year is Von Miller. The secondary you might need to get an asset or two to to invest in. Maybe you move Christian Benford to safety alongside Micah. 
next year. Maybe you draft a safety um, or a corner at some point in the later rounds to get some more depth. It's There's no simple answer to, to fixing either of those. So some people are going to point the coordinator. Again, unless they change up a lot, I don't think they're going to mess with the scheme. Long story short, like have like it's one of those you kind of just have to you make slight adjustments, but you they're going to roll close to what they have right now into the team next year, and maybe they do trade a, at Oliver or they let Tremaine walk, but that can be risky too because. Are you going to get a first but round? Pick? But but the, but then the problem with that is to, to your point. If you don't get creative and being being used those words creative, uh, I'll read you. I'll read you. If they stand pat, that means Poyer's gone, Roger Saffold is gone, Case Keenum, Jordan Phillips, um, Tyler Matakavich, Tremaine Admins, J- Jamison Crowder, Quezenberry, uh, their punter. Um, you know, Ike Butker, get Greg Van Roten. I'm not saying when I say stand pat, I'm no not single Terry. What, what I am saying. Kev, is that you're not going to see major, major moves to replace the outgoing players. And the way I look at it is this. There, there's two ways of looking at it. You can, you can look at it as the Bills lost to Cincinnati, and then to two years prior, they lost to Kansas City. So you can say our best isn't good enough to beat the best. Therefore, we need to make changes in order to become the best. The, the other point of view that, you can, that people can take is our team has been an elite team in the NFL the last three years. In those three years, we've gone to the AFC Championship once and the AFC Divisional Round twice. There's a bunch of franchises that have never won playoff games three consecutive years. You have one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. He's going to probably be with your team for the next decade. And as long as you have him on your team, you're going to have a chance to not only win your division, but win playoff games. And all it takes is one Super Bowl and, of course, one Super Bowl victory over the course of that decade to basically say this was a success. So a lot of people want to blow it up, and I get it, because they think what we have right now will never be good enough to beat KC and Cincinnati. But we don't know what will happen with KC and Cincinnati long term. We don't know are they always going to be at the level that they are now. Do you blow it up now and then hurt yourself three years down the line? Do you hurt yourself four years down the line? I don't think you – I think long-term the Bills look at it as if we have 10 straight years of great teams, we're going to break through one of those years and we're going to win it. I don't – I think their view is let's just keep giving it a shot every single year rather than let's destroy part of our team for the chance to have a one- or two-year window. They, they kind of did that a little bit with Vaughn going all in this year. But obviously the injuries and everything played out. It's Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. It's the Smucker's Uncrustables Radio Hour with round soft pillowy bread filled with delicious PB&J. Here's your host, Uncrustables. Caller on line three. What's eating you? No one. 
Crust, is that you? Ugh. Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, Crust. It's just different viewpoints. I. It's risky, Kev. If, if, when you make huge changes, things can get worse. It, everybody just always wants to look at the positive side of, oh, if we replace this guy, we trade this guy, and then we, we do a different scheme. Suddenly, uh, we're going to be good enough to beat Cincinnati. No, you, you, your defense could get much worse. You could suddenly be the 23rd-ranked defense, allowing 25 points a game. And then when you go 9-8 and eight next year, what are fans going to be saying then when you miss the playoffs or you're the seventh seed? They're going to be pissed, Kev. So I, I think you got to look at both sides. These, these are not simple moves. What, I don't know why we're acting like this team won 10 games or nine games this year. People, they, they went 14-4. and four. This was one of the most successful seasons in Bill's history from a regular season standpoint. I'm not going to burn the whole thing just because they had a disappointing loss to a Cincinnati team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Right. Well, the expectations were that was you this year. Well, and by all, all accounts, your roster was better yeah, than theirs. Screw the expectations. We, we talk about it, though. What were their odds of winning a Super Bowl before the season for the Bills? Higher than Cincinnati's. According to the odds makers. Cincinnati's gone to the Super Bowl. Now they're the AFC Championship two straight years. I don't care what the outsiders say. Now Vegas had the Bills as six-point favorites. Yeah. Cincinnati showed that's not the case. Cincinnati and KC have been in the, the AFC Championship two straight years now. Kansas City's been in the AFC Championship five straight years. Like, respect to what everybody in the outside thought, but – so how do you, then then to your answer your question if those that's all true, how do you run it back knowing you're continued the third best? How I attack the offseason is go all in on offense. Okay, go all in. What my my view is, the year before when they had Stefan as the one, you had uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and then Gabe Davis as the four. They were Basically, we're, we're throwing all these guys out, out at you. We're, we're going to have a million weapons. Good luck stopping us. This year, they, they elevated their number four wide receiver to their, their number two, and they had no other options really behind them. What I, what I do is I go all in on offense. I say, you know what? Who cares what happens defensively? We have our guys. It is what it is. How much of a difference is one or two guys going to make on our entire defense. I, I, I say go all in on offense, draft a wide receiver early. Maybe even if you can get a, a vet on a somewhat respectable deal, bring someone in and then go after the guards. And, and to play, to play on your, on your off season, then my, you, my need, offer, you need, a, you need development from cook and Elam first and foremost. Yes. You, you need, I mean, that's pivotal in your, yeah. in your off season. My, my viewpoint is that you need the youngsters on our team to knit, to take a step up. You need, like, I, I know that this, this is hope, but you need Basham to, to imp- continue improving. You need Epineza to continue improving. You need Von Miller to be the force next year when healthy that you paid him, that you're paying him 
to be. You need Alpro Milano. Name, you need, yeah, you need yeah. Micah Hyde back. You need, you need Benford to safety. Benford to safety. Absolutely. And then you're going to have to hope that Trey can rediscover what he used to be. And I know a lot of this is hope, but if you told – I've seen it too long, Kev. When you invest in defense, you take away from your offense. And Kansas City, they win in spite of their defense a lot. Cincinnati can win in spite of their defense at times. And Cincinnati has a great defensive line, so I do want to give them credit there. But I think the Bills just – it's hard, man, because they are so good in certain metrics. But I think they need to go all out on offense because as good as Josh is, when he doesn't have enough help. And I think sometimes Josh is a little up and down and – in the playoffs, you need to have four straight great games to win it all. And I don't know if I can really depend on on the Bills' offense to do that. Okay. Because I don't think they make the easy plays look easy. I, I know that a lot of this is generalization and everything, but the reason why I think Joe Burrow is a clutch playoff performer is that he knows how to make the easy plays. Patrick Mahomes just makes the spectacular plays, but he can make the easy plays too. Andy Reid in Kansas City, nothing is difficult for them. They they can do whatever they want. Joe Burrow, he reads defenses so well, he makes things easy. Things aren't easy for Josh. Yeah. They're they're never easy. And real, that's real the quickly, problem. I wanna I wanna address the um comment about like staying pat and being Marvin Lewis. Um, Marvin Lewis was 0-7 in the playoffs. He went three straight years under 500, 7-9, 6-9-1, 6-10. 5-18 career winning per- percentage. It's not the same thing yet. Um, so I don't I don't quite want to hear that Marvin Lewis comparison at this stage. Um, yes, we're disappointed with three straight, you said it earlier, uh, seasons where you won playoff games, different to varying levels and, and different skills and different opponents. Um, Marvin Lewis didn't win a single playoff game. Went one and done seven times. Um, completely opposite things throughout the majority of that many 500 years beside that little mini run of losing every game in the first round. Um, so there's definitely, that's definitely not apples to apples. Um, but so I just, I just wanted to, to address that point. Um, they aren't going to, to um, they're definitely not going to burn it down though, Mike. That's 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 completely not what's going to happen. I think they're going to do more of what I'm saying than what other people want them to do. I, yeah. I'm just saying, like, they're going to reflect. They're going to look at what went wrong with our team this year. And the first things they're going to say, if uh, looking offensively, our offensive line isn't good enough. Then they're going to say, number two, we need better weapons. And then number three, they're going to say, maybe we can change some things up with our scheme. Maybe we do more quick passing. Maybe we find a way to, to scheme more things differently. We, we, we change the way we attack a little bit. Those are the three things they're going to do offensively. Defensively, they're going to look at the defense and they're going to say, our pass rush needs to be better. Well, there's no, I don't think there's really any answers to fixing that other than hoping that Von Miller steps up and Greg Rousseau is able to take his game to another level. And then your secondary, you're just going to have to hope Trey returns the form. I don't, I think they're still good enough to win a Super Bowl. One bad game doesn't change my my opinion of that. 
Yeah, I mean, one get one bad game with the adversity they faced all season. Um, just everywhere across the board, it's Brandon Bean's statement to start off with that he's never faced adversity in any team or city that he faced this year with the high-end injuries, not the low-end injuries. Yeah, but we know that there's injuries that they were dealing with that weren't being reported. I mean, Jordan away. Poyer shouldn't have been playing. Let's be real. Like, Jordan Poyer has been – has gone through so much more than what has ever reported. I don't think people really know the how Matt much Milano. he was really going through. Matt Milano was going through way more crap than what people realized, and he still was sensational. Uh, Jordan Phillips was playing with – what was it, torn labrum? Um mm-hmm. And there was other things going on, too. So let's be real. They they were never completely healthy. And people are acting like, oh, why are they underperforming? They're underperforming because they're not playing. They're they're not playing completely healthy. And they're playing a really good team with a lot of talent. And, like, let's be real. If if you saw another team in the NFL go 13-3, and lose three games by a combined eight points, what would you think if they tore it apart? You'd be like, they're crazy. Yeah. I mean, you'd have probably some people say they don't accept mediocrity, right? So you'd have a lot of people like 13 and three is mediocrity. You'd have a lot of people probably say that to you, first of all. Um, You know, like, like, look, um, I'm a, I'm a Yankees fan. And the thing the Yankees are known to do, Mike, is what you're saying. They'll run it back. They'll, they'll, they'll re-sign Aaron Judge. They'll stay the course. Um, That's what teams like to do when they're good. To your point, it's most likely what the Bills are leaning toward doing, not with their cap situation. They have the quarterback. They have other. They have the receiver one. They need to hit on draft picks. I love Brandon Bean. He's one of my favorite GMs ever. He needs to do better in the draft at times. Mm-hmm. Um, he struggled lately um, filling out some, some big misses, the defensive line being one of them. He tried to remedy that with a huge free agent signing who tore his ACL on the slim fit turf in Detroit after back-to-back games there. On, on, on a four days notice with a snowstorm that, you know, people couldn't leave their houses and, and left their ho- kids and, fa- and um, families and spouses because of the situation. Um, so there was just so much adversity that the team had to go through and hopefully it was to make them stronger. It didn't show up this Saturday, uh, just Sunday. They, it didn't, it didn't build anything for them. Um, they just straight up. It just like they ran out of gas. They got out physical in their own building with snow on the ground and, and seemingly didn't have a game plan to adjust to the weather that they play in. Um, so that's disappointing across the board. However, going forward, you're getting Mike Hyde back and healthy. He was ready to go next week. Um, so that's a huge boost. And it is, we missed him the entire season. He's a huge boost. We can all forget him. That's fine. Trey white was coming on, you know, you know, regardless of what we think about a play here or there, his advanced metrics are really good and he'll be back and, and more able to push off of his leg. And he's still fairly young. So that's, that's a huge boost. Kyrie Elam started to show who he was as a player coming up big and big times, Mike. So there's a lot to like about this roster from start to finish. And I think that the one move that they do make is most of those names we've talked about. They probably do let walk. I do think they try their best. And even Tremaine Edmonds said he's dedicated to this city. I think he's more than willing to work the cap side of it out. If he has guaranteed money, and signing bonuses in cash. Um, I do think that he does stay here. Um, I don't think 20 is the number that signs Tremaine Edmonds. I think that you can push it out so that it hits to 20 at some point, but I think that Tremaine Edmonds is bought in. Him and Matt Milano make an amazing duo in this defense, and he re-signs. That's my prediction. I think the only move, I'm not blowing it up, the only move I make is trading at Oliver. I think you need to do it. I think you need to clear $11 million. You replace him with a draft pick. 
Um, but more importantly, that $11 million goes to your offense to get something done, whether it's trading for a Hunter Renfro, whether it's something along those lines. Um, that's just what you need to do. Um, but you can't just keep the course. You need to make a little bit of adjustment for me. And that's most likely the most likely option there is trading at Oliver. Uh, it's, it's definitely a possibility and we'll see if they address it. I don't, I don't normally address the negative comments, but talking about sucking up because we won't critique McDermott. We're talking about the coach that ended the bills playoff drought and has had the most successful outside of the Super Bowl, four Super Bowl years, the most successful six year period in bills history. Um, outside of the early 60s and the Super Bowl years. I, I, I just, this is, Kevin, I, I just, I don't even know what to say right now. It, it's laughable what's happening with, with with Bills fans at this point. And one week ago, people were talking about how Coach McDermott could have been the coach of the year for how he handled the adversity of the season. Now you have people that are calling for, uh, for him to be called out. Yes, McDermott has had issues. 13 seconds was was a horrible failure. And these playoff losses are getting frustrated. You're talking about a coach that is 62 and 35 as a head coach. And in the last four seasons, 26, 36, 47 and 18. And people are talking about moving on from him because it's, it's not good enough. And Quite frankly, I'm a little upset with how everybody just thinks if we just had a different game plan defensively, that the success would have just happened. Like the the, the third and four play call that everybody is showing the screenshot of, yeah, it, pro, a, a bad call. And there are bad calls that are going to be made through the mm-hmm. course of an NFL game with over 65 mm-hmm. plays. But you want to know what? Burrow had an answer for whatever the Bills wanted to do. If you go zone, if you go soft, he's going to go underneath. He's going to take the five yards, and he's going to just nickel and dime you down the field. If you go man-to-man, he has Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Taj Boyd. They're going to go over the top. The Bills' defense was going to get destroyed regardless on Sunday. They needed their offense to score. Didn't happen. That's why they lost the game. And you know what? I, I think Leslie Frazier could be the one person that does end up leaving. Yeah. But are we going to suddenly expect the Bills to blitz all day? Are we going to expect them to be man-to-man all day? Just suddenly do things that they, they've never done during these six years? Blitzing Burrow is like blitzing Allen. It's just pointless at times. It's... I love how people think just because they did this, 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 that it would have just been a magic pill and worked if they didn't do that. It's not how it works. Yeah. Everything is reactionary right now, Kevin. Everything is reactionary. Everything is hindsight. Everybody thinks that if they did something different, it would have just been some magical bean and magical pill and things would have been so much better. The Bills got their asses kicked because Cincinnati is a better football team than, than the Bills. Cincinnati has won, uh, what is it, 10 straight games right now? They started the year four and four. During that four games when they were losing, it was because Cincinnati was was getting under pressure and Joe Burrow was getting sacked. Since they solved those issues, not one team in the NFL has been able to beat them. Maybe they lose to Kansas City this week, but 
prior Some to that eight, just... prior to that eight game re- regular season winning streak that uh the Bengals they were uh, uh Zach Taylor was 20 and 36 as a head coach. People wanted him fired in Cincinnati after his second year. That's why like this is all like amazing to me. People are like Oh, like even the Sean Payton talk right now. People are talking like, oh, Sean Payton's amazing. You want to know something about Sean Payton? He has a 9-8 and eight career record in the, in the playoffs. I think he was the head coach of the Saints for 15 years. 9-8 and eight record. He has one Super Bowl, and that's why everybody thinks he's a tremendous head coach. He had a stretch with Drew Brees when he was throwing for 5,000 yards per season where they missed the playoffs three consecutive years with Drew Brees as his quarterback. We all talk like we know what the hell we're talking about, coaches. We do not. Cincinnati fans wanted Taylor fired after his second year. Then he gets Burrow, and now he has a chance to go to -to back-to-back Super Bowls in his third and fourth year. Did Zach Taylor just suddenly learn how to coach football, or did he always know how to coach football and just didn't have the right guys? Like, I am just so tired of this reactionary stuff. Like, our fan base is tremendous, but we're also the fan base that trashes our players, trashes our coaching staff, and trashes everything at the first sign of adversity. And it really annoys me. Because we have this insecurity complex in our fan base because we have never won the big one. And I get it. I wasn't alive in the early 90s. I didn't go through four straight Super Bowl losses. And I get that had to be really tough and still tough to this day to deal with people from other fan bases trolling us and giving us crap. But when I see a coach that has won 13 games, two out of the last three years, with metrics in the top five on offense and defense, and then people just – calling out for changes like yeah maybe they will make changes maybe they can do stuff but just change for the sake of change doesn't solve anything it doesn't yeah. solve anything it's true eric you says uh when the bills real answers when the bills went to cover on burrow had a 39 pass rating per true media something i alluded to earlier of how well they played in stretches defensively unfortunately um and it's just too bad the offense couldn't couldn't counter um, because they did do some things well uh, defensively in this game. Like you said, were you ever going to shut the Bengals out? No, that's more unrealistic than anything else we've talked about today. So um, that's that's one of the main points. Robert Lee, really appreciate you as always, man. Thank you so much. Um, Allen's only 26, same age as Joe. Last year when the Chiefs had that bad stretch, the narrative was Mahomes didn't take what the D was giving. He continued to develop. I have faith Allen will grow. Well put. Like that's that's a well put statement. I I completely agree with you. Right now, he's gonna gonna get his off season of getting the these the haters. He's gonna be in the four to eight range now in most quarterback rankings. Um, he's going to get that negative criticism now after the after that game. And fine, let it let it happen. I think that's that's when the best motivation. Game. Hell, you can just yeah. make up any motivation. You can. We certainly didn't want to be number one in everything. You like can get made, you can, Yeah, you can use anything as motivation now. You can just say that you're. Uh, opponent is selling tickets for an AFC championship that the NFL logistically needed to sell tickets for and say that they don't respect you and that the NFL wants it in Atlanta. And that could be your motivation now. And then you can make jokes about them about refunds or tweet crap like Eli Apple at an entire fan base. And with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, use whatever is motivation. I don't care. Put Josh Allen as the 13th best quarterback. Hopefully that motivates him. Like, 
I'm sorry. I'm fiery today, Kev. It's just that's fine. It's I'm tired. One more, one more comparison because you made the you know you kind of talked about Sean Payton there for a little bit. Let's talk about Andy Reid for a little bit. 130 yeah. and 93 in Philly. Um, you know, 10 and 9 in the playoffs, eerily similar to Sean McDermott, lost in the division round, lost in the championship round, lost in the championship round, um, you know, lost in the Super Bowl, uh, lo- then lost again in the division round, championship round, wild card round, wild card round, went eight and eight, and then four and twelve, and finally got fired. Um, 13 years. You're gonna see something similar. Teams, especially an ownership group, especially a group that is going through whatever they're going through with Kim, um, especially an ownership group that trusts Brandon Bean, who's tied at the hip to someone that got him the job in Sean McDermott. So unless now, now we're firing Sean McDermott, we're firing Brandon Bean, we're firing all the coordinators. Yes. You have Josh Allen still there. Lord, I hope that whoever you bring in uh, doesn't botch any of that stuff because you know, you're going to get a 13 and three season. I think it's likelier that you can get over the hump with a few tweaks and changes than you can blowing it up. So, you know, ultimately, yes, he fell short in Philadelphia. There's no doubt about it that eight and eight and then four and 12 season at the end of his tenure wasn't great. Um, 10 and nine in the playoffs did have a winning record, but still couldn't get it done in the championship games and super bowls. I just have the same type of feeling because it is an offensive league right now. And, you know, obviously Sean McDermott was the only one in the divisional round with that defensive background. We've heard that so many times, but I'm going to use Pat Fryermuth as an unbiased person who has nothing to do with bills, the Bengals, any other team but the Steelers. Um, he said, if there was another coach I'd rather play for, it's Sean McDermott. Nope. He's not, he's not a corporate sponsor. You know, I've seen that in there. He's not um, paid by McDermott. We're not credentialed. We are not, we do not have to talk any way we want. We are not told what to say by anybody at cover one. Um, we are not told what to say by anyone in our DMS. It's our opinion. I don't get any praise for wanting him fired. I don't get any praise for wanting him to come back um, either way. But when someone like Pat Fryermuth says, I would play for that guy, that means something to me. That means that when push comes to shove and you have a free agent in town, and to Brandon Bean's point earlier, we don't have the cap space to get things done. There are certain players when 50% of the free agent running backs, let's just use that as a room right now, are free agents. You might be able to get somebody that's willing to play for a championship um, at a reduced rate because good team, good culture, good atmosphere, good players coach and want to come back. And that is huge to me. I don't know that you can go and do that with a whole new regime and continue to blow things up. So to me, I think right now that Sean McDermott's the answer for the moment I'm on board. I don't know how many years of Josh Allen you can waste with Ken Dorsey. I didn't like a lot of what he did. I wouldn't be harmed. What my ideal, if you're talking now, now I'm going to be real. My Kevin's ideal scenario would be you let Ken Dorsey go. It doesn't like Frazier is the most likely move to happen, but like you've said, it's just going to be John Butler that fills in. It's not going to be Vic Fangio. There's not going to be a huge difference. A little tweaks. Everyone's going to feel a little bit better for a few years, um, but it's not going to be much different. So might as well be Frazier, right? Like why even mess with it? Because it's not going to change. You're not going to have Sean McDermott run a three, four defense. However, offensively, I would like to see Ken Dorsey fired, and I'd like to see a veteran with a huge presence in Buffalo like Frank Reich take over, someone that can keep Josh in check, who's been successful with offense, one of the best offensive lines in the league under him before whatever debacle was this year, and someone that has led upset bids, who's gotten a lot out of Jonathan Taylor, who just hasn't had a quarterback ever because he's failed with this, this stupid Matt Ryan, and you know they keep getting a new Jacoby Brissett, 
and all these other situations that weren't po- weren't good situations post Andrew Luck um, that just didn't end up working out with Carson Wentz. But with a quarterback, I have a, all the faith in the world. Someone like Frank Reich could develop an offensive line, could bring a power running game to the fold, would match up well with Sean McDermott. That's the move I would make. Yes, yeah, so we can talk about Frazier all we want. Sure, he deserves. He does. He he has had some faults. He does deserve. Um, he they get conservative and they get really micromanaging in the playoffs. I would like to see him moved on from. Um, but I don't ultimately think it'll do that much. We can I, we can I like we, both of those. I, I, like you I, said, I, we can do things to yeah. do them, like you said earlier. But I, here's one final quote I want to leave you with, Mike, and then then you can tell me your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Josh Allen says today today just a few hours ago. I don't want to lose sight of what we did this year and how we got better. We had a first-year play call with Doris, and he's only going to continue to get better. That's not somebody that Josh Allen is going to move on from, unfortunately. So that's my rant. Kevin wants Frank Reich. So I'm not all – I'm not just keep everybody in line here. I do want to keep Sean McDermott, and I would supplement him with Frank Reich, and that's my opinion. Sorry for – Interrupting you a few times, Good. but that, that's the long and short of it. I I kind of feel you're spot on. If Frazier does move on or retire or do whatever, it's probably still going to be very similar, regardless of who's leading the way on the Bills right. defense. Because this is that's what McDermott's philosophy is. They're running what he wants them to be doing. Offensively, that's where I would be more open to the change. I just don't see it because I think Dorsey is here because of Josh, like you said, and it is important to point out he is a first year offensive coordinator. We said before the year, there was going to be speed bumps. There was going to be issues. And, and we saw some of them. The question is, can he take a step forward? Can he improve from those, those issues that he had this year? If he can, this bill's offense could still be very good going forward. If he can't, we might run into some of the same problems, I do like the Frank Reich idea. I do like the new blood idea. It's just, it's just not likely overall. And I, I think that's some of it is just accepting it is what it is. And it, I, I, I do, like you said, you, you said, you said it great, Kev. It, it, the one area in the ball where they probably could change things is probably the area where they're not likely to. Right. And I agree more. I, I, I agree with you fully. And like, for me, like just wanted to be clear here on, on the going deep podcast and here at cover one in general, we are not credentialed. We have the knowledge to be, we have some great film reviewers. We have great commentary from the air eight hour, you know, and, and, and um, Eric doing wonderful things on the film room, Greg and Aaron also being a really good commentary podcast here on the network as well as everyone knows cover one Buffalo. Um, but like, we're not in, you know, we're not told to say anything. So to me, I just think the most rational move is to keep the coach as we just kind of talked about the other coaches and make an offensive coordinator change while you have Josh Allen. I think the mixture of who Frank Reich is as a person, this culture, what he means to the city has one of the best, you know, until Minnesota against uh, earlier this year against Indy randomly enough um, had the best comeback ever. I think that that could all that, is what we are looking for to take over as an offensive coordinator in Buffalo and, and a job that I think outside of him getting a head coaching job, which I'm not sure I haven't broken down at where everybody is yet would have been um, would have been like really a strong move. And I just think with Josh Allen, a, a, a season to rehab his elbow, bringing him in receiver two weapons, 
totally going to address tight end too. It's going to happen. They tried to do it last year. And I still think they're going to get a running back because 50% of them are on the market. You can't no 50 per, there, there's not going to be 20 running backs getting seven plus million, Mike. Yeah. And it is important to note Buffalo fans wanted Brian Dable fired early in his career in Buffalo. Sure. So it's, it's not always. I'm one, Mike, I'm one of them. One of my worst takes ever is I, I, up until two years ago, I didn't like Brian Dable. Brian Dable so. was in Kansas city as an offensive coordinator. Uh, Cleveland, and then was he Miami also before Buffalo? Um, he, he was all over the place, right. and he couldn't last anywhere. Then he comes to Buffalo. He magically has Josh Allen and has the best three-year run of his old coordinator career and becomes head coach, and now he's probably going to be the coach of the year, and we're, we're singing his praises. But for three prior stops, people thought he was horrible. It, so – the, the, the long short of it is we can have our criticisms of Ken Dorsey. Doesn't mean that they're all a hundred percent valid. Doesn't mean that there right. isn't potential for growth. Doesn't mean that they aren't finding stuff on every play we look at, we see the result, but we don't always look into what was there. What was the point of the play? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of what has been discussed in the last month was even though Allen was taking the deep shots, there were sometimes other intermediate things available. We don't know if it's always Allen or if it's Dorsey. And I think we'll have a better idea next year if Dorsey's still to be here. But long short of it, we we I still think even if Dorsey was here for another year, we will have a better idea of what he can bring to the table at that point in time. Uh, can they do better? Maybe. But it's also not good to be switching things up with new coaches every every year. Uh, do you really want three offensive coordinators in three years for Josh Allen? I do not. Um, so that's going to be part of the reason why ultimately my plan and maybe others um, won't happen. So it's too bad. I think you had a, a unique opportunity to have someone like like Reich on the market um, this specific offseason. And if it doesn't work out with Dorsey, you know, we'll see what's on the market next year. But for right now, it is going to be Dorsey, but that's not because that's, I'm telling you what I think is going to happen. And it's most likely going to be to stay with Dorsey, but that's not what I want. Like I just talked about like what I prefer to happen on that specific and, and fine. Like if we think that getting rid of Frazier and Dorsey would be the move, I'm fine with that. I'm not sitting here saying that that can't happen, but the replacement for Leslie Frazier is John Butler. Um, that's just what's going to happen. And I do think that at the very least there needs to be some positional coaches um, removed Eric Washington being one of them. Um, as I've heard some things about Eric Washington within the players unit of some, some dismay. So we'll see if anything changes on the positional coaching front. Uh, and we're going to have to just figure this out as we go. But Sean McDermott was more candid than I've seen him in a long time. And much more than usually Brandon Bean gives you really good stuff today. He was, he was actually maybe a little bit more, you know, straight line conservative with his answers. And that's usually Sean. Sean was a little bit more willing to say some things last, uh, last yesterday. Uh, Brandon Bean was a little bit more like straight to the point. Like, yeah, we would take a receiver at 27. Sure. If Chase fell, sure. We would take someone like Chase. Um, You know, those are the kind of answers that we were getting. Um, Really only said one slightly controversial thing with that Oliver leaving meat on the bone outside of that. It was mostly like, yep, he was good. Yep. You know, we went through adversity 
which sounds like what a GM would say, but Brandon Bean usually gives you an extra level of nuggets. He goes on, you know, Pat McAfee, you know, whatever. He, he usually gives you an extra, you know, whether it's Rome or he gives you an extra bump of what he's feeling in these interviews. So it was all a really fair point that he may have gone on and been like, I don't know what Sean said. Maybe that was, that wasn't, you know, emotional or whatever, but Sean alluded to like, he's going back to check out what's going to happen with his coaching staff. So nothing's for sure. I think Sean McDermott, you know, top seven paid coaches in the league makes $8 million roughly. Um, He's respected and he might get a chance to redo whatever he needs to redo within his coaching staffs. If he wants to Trump Josh Allen and say, Hey Josh, like, sorry, man, like we gave you a chance with it and it didn't end like we wanted to. Um, You know, we have a guy like Frank, we wouldn't just do this for fun. We got a guy like Frank on the market maybe that's the right move for the franchise. And then, you know, go mention four teams have been said to want Joe Brady. Um, So there's definitely probably, I mean, that's good odds to be hired. That's probably a quarterback's coach position that's open. Um, You know, will it go to Shula automatically? I'm not sure, but there's definitely going to be start to be some movement. And I think that, that Sean McDermott's going to get the power that he needs. Um, to make changes if he needs to make them, even if Josh would prefer he stays. Yeah, no, no disagreement with any of that, Kev. So, Mike, well, we're going to go back and hit the books. Um, we got some film to watch. I got some drafts to study for now. Uh, it's that time of the year. I got some free agent numbers to go through. I'm sure Greg Thompson, um, myself, you know, whatever, we'll have some type of cap stuff up and talking about caps and what running back makes sense and, um, you know, the stuff we're used to. Um, you know, it's late January. It's better than it doing, doing it in November, Mike. Um, we'll get on that. I know the team, most of the team will be down at the senior bowl this year as well, scouting. So we'll have some good access to players, videos, comments. So make sure you check that out. The cover one film rooms coming up here in 45 minutes with Eric uh, and, Ant. so make sure you check that out. I'm sure they'll have some, some great footage to show. So there's going to be a great off season plan here at cover one. Um, so we really appreciate everybody tuning in. We know this wasn't an easy show for anybody. Uh, Mike, what are you leaving us with today? What do you got? What do you got for the fans? Yeah, the, the last thing I really have for the show today is I get it. I, I feel the pain that everyone is feeling right now. It is frustrating. You, mm-hmm. We all want answers. We want people hold, held accountable uh, for the way things ended. But uh, I think once things calm down and we, we look back on the season, we're going to realize that they did accomplish incredible things and that while it was a disappointing finish, they had to battle through so much adversity and so much things that 90% of NFL teams wouldn't have been able to battle through uh, the off the field stuff, the on field stuff, the injuries uh, that that would have been enough to, to basically end it for most teams. And uh, the fact that they found a way to keep battling on, I, I'm tremendously proud of this, this bills organization and, and the players. And I just hope that we, don't let the anger that's in our heads basically pollute our minds from thinking that into thinking this was just a horrible season and that this team is done. This team still has a huge uh, opportunity in front of them in the upcoming years to, to make the playoffs, win the AFC East and potentially make a run to the Super Bowl. So let's not freak out because one opportunity was wasted. Let's continue to figure out how they can, uh, keep it going and hopefully put themselves in a better position next year. And it's a historically, I know it's a, it's, it's a historically good running back class. It's random. I know no one wants to talk about running back, but it is, it is a historically good free agent run. I should say free agent running back class. You also have a couple of good 
um, potential first round picks in the, in the draft. So not that the bills are, but I'm just saying that that's where there's going to be a lot of talent and the bills can immediately upgrade at the running back room right off the bat. So we'll get into some of that and more here on the going deep podcast. I'm sure across the cover one network, please smash a like button. That means a lot to us from Kevin Misery, Mike Bunt. It's off season time now here at cover one and for the Buffalo bills. And we look forward to bringing you all the action we can, including player interviews and player profiles and player videos down in, in Alabama from the senior bowl, as well as throughout our draft coverage. And I'm sure we'll be joining up shows with all the other cover one shows to do our mocks and to talk about Mike's plan. How can we get better without making big changes? And like he said, got to hit on some of these draft picks. And like you said, Mike, maybe it's not realistic to now one, two, and three, but maybe this is the year that they can really dive in with a great scouting staff. They do have a great um, great front office to get it done to add to James Cook and Kyer Elam and Christian Benford um, across and Khalil Shakir across the way. So we'll see what the Bills are able to. It's you know we're gonna we're gonna do what we can to make to bridge this gap and hopefully this time next year this show will go a little bit better. But from Kevin, Mike, and the Cover One Podcast Network, look out for uh, the film room here in forty minutes. Josh Allen looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw, and it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Allen deep downfield, wide open. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.